You're listening to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography, design, creativity, and more, with your hosts, Dave Clayton and Alan Hess. Hello and welcome back to another episode of He Shoots, He Draws, and tonight we have actually, I've said this before in episodes where I've said we've got royalty, but tonight we've actually got proper bona fide royalty. We are joined by a fellow English person, um, so it's Alan who's the furthest away tonight. We've got Victoria Bampton, also known as the Lightroom Queen. So thank you for joining us, Victoria. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, now tonight's going to be a good one because we, apart from talking about you, we obviously want to talk about Lightroom and everything, but I just want to tell listeners a, li- a little tale about history because Alan knows that the thread throughout the podcast is the connections that we've had and how far back we've gone and long long time ago when um when i was first looking for somewhere to learn photoshop i came across the national association of photoshop professionals and checked out what they did and what scott kelby was doing and i'm a designer so i was looking for design content and i saw through the website there was a forum so that was back in the days when we had forums to communicate pre-Twitter, pre-social media. And, um, and I found this forum and I was looking through trying to see if there was any kind of like-minded designers. And I saw this little bit that said NAP, I think it was like NAP UK people or something, or NAP UK group. So I thought, oh, let's go and have a look in there. Some UK people. I went in there and the first person I ever spoke to in the forum was Victoria. And just like hey you're in the UK and so oh yeah you're in the UK and it was just I was I was just like really pleased that there was a small handful of people and that's partly how how my connection with Kelby really kicked off because once I realized there was some UK people there that's when I contacted them and said you should be doing more for us you know there's there's like up to eight of us here (laughs) there's all these extra people this side of the pond I know, I know. We're so quiet and humble. We don't make a big deal about it. But yeah, so obviously, like you were my first ever kind of NAP UK contact. And this is the first time we've actually physically spoken. I know. It's bizarre, isn't it? It's been so, so long. Yeah. So back then, I mean, you were you were the Lightroom Queen at that time. I was just getting um, started in those days, I think. Yeah. So... I obviously know a bit about you because I've obviously been following your work all this time. But what do you? What was your lead up to becoming the Lightroom Queen? Because I've got some questions around this to do with teaching and everything. But like pre, when you were just Victoria Bampton, what was the lead up to yeah. to that like, life? Because I know your background, but I just want you to share it. Okay. Um, so my father was a professional photographer since before I was born. So I kind of grew up in the business. Um, so I was I was working with him and going out on weddings and sticking prints in folders and all sorts, you know, when I was knee high. Um, so when I left school, I started working with him. And then we did the transition from film to digital because he was still shooting medium format in those days. So that was a huge, huge learning curve. Um, And then we kind of got him up and running. And then I started a raw processing business because so many other wedding photographers in the UK were having the same trouble. So then Lightroom came along and I 
started answering questions on the forums and people kept asking more and more questions and asked me to write them all down so I started writing the books and they gave me the nickname the Lightroom Queen and it kind of stuck and it all went on from there <laughs> it's, it's a, it's say, a short version that, of a long story I know no but it's a podcast we can do the long version <laughs> as well so so Gary that transition from film to, to digital because I know Alan's been there as well and me not being the photographer I kind of know that well because that's my time but like you said, there was a transition from film to digital that did happen quite quickly. Yeah. And and I guess at that point, it's you're either one of those people that suffers in silence or you think, well, hang on a minute, there's a business opportunity here because all these people have bought these cameras and they don't know how to use them. So was that kind of why you started up the raw processing business yeah. because it was you could see the work was there you just want to be the person they come yeah, to yeah it was it was doing the transition was a bit of a nightmare because dad had a habit of telling customers he could do all these wonderful things <laughs> that he had no idea how to do um, so he would come in and say oh I've told this customer we'll swap their heads from this picture to that picture and and can you can do that can't you I'm going uh, uh, okay, I'll I'll find out how. But there was we were still on dial-up internet in those days. There weren't forums. There weren't YouTube. You know, it was it was a nightmare mm. trying to learn all this stuff. Um, so once we'd kind of got the hang of it, and I'd got all the staff trained up, so they knew what they were doing with their individual bits, and and I was looking around thinking, there's all these other photographers out there who I'm coming across on the forums and they're all struggling with exactly the same kind of problems and they don't want to be sat at their computers all day. They're photographers. They want to be out shooting pictures. They don't want to be sitting there trying to edit all of their photographs and not knowing what they're doing. Um, so it kind of took off very quickly. I was I was really surprised, but in a good way. I'm not complaining. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, was, it, plant, it planted the seed of you helping people, but were you... Obviously, with your dad being in the photography business and you growing into it, and there's an awesome photograph of you on your website <laughs> stood on that little box <laughs> behind that camera. I think I was about um, three years old at that point, yeah. <laughs> uh, was photography something you were kind of thinking, I want to be a photographer, and this kind of happened? No. Or were you, was it just one of those, like, you're born to a musician and you, you live in the world, but you don't have to pick up a guitar? Yeah, I, I, I hadn't really... I didn't really have any interest in photography at all. I was a geek. I was quite happy sitting behind the computer and reorganising his office and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, so if digital hadn't come along at that point, I, I don't know what I'd be doing now. But it probably wouldn't have been photography. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> These days I enjoy it, but it wasn't something I'd gone, oh, yes, I've got to do that. Yeah, I guess it's funny because you, like you say, you've grown up with it and because your father's already in the business. Normally I say to guests, like, when you were at school, what you what were you planning to be? What were... Did you ever have a kind of, I, when I grow up, I want to be? Or did you just find yourself, well, here I am now, I'm now 15, 20, 25, 30. Like, you're just the age and you're helping that. Yeah, I think that I didn't ever have any grand plans as to what I wanted to do. Um I could I could always see he needed some extra help so I kind of assumed that when I left school that's probably what I'd be doing and and so it worked out <laughs> <laughs> so the thing with like obviously coming into Lightroom didn't come around till it was 2006 yes yeah. so up to that point what were you what were you using 
for the raw processing? What was around then that you were becoming an expert at? That's a long time ago. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I think we were mainly using ACR. When that, when that first came out, it was a separate plug-in, wasn't it? I think yeah. you had to pay for it as a separate plug-in. And I think we were using that for a while, and there were a few other bits I dabbled in. Um, but I kept coming back to that and just doing everything in Photoshop, one yeah. picture at a time. Well, yeah. that was that was the big thing. I mean, I remember this clearly because it changed. It literally changed everything in like mm-hmm. a day. And yeah. um, Apple started when they released uh, Aperture. So mm-hmm. Apple Aperture came out and suddenly it was like, here's a raw processing and image, you know, like everything all in one. And I don't have to go into Photoshop. I can batch process images. And I mm-hmm. used to shoot like way too many and then try to fix them all. It was crazy. And I remember I was... Um, on the East Coast with a friend's band, and Adobe announced the public beta of Lightroom. And I'm like, great, competition. And as we all know, that was, what, 2006, towards the end of 2006. Now Aperture doesn't exist anymore. Lightroom has two products, maybe four, depending on how you decide to classify them. <laughs> depending um, on how confused you are. That yeah, time. I mean, you know, there's, there's classic, and there's, there's CC, and there's on the web, and there's on your phone, and it's like there's just, you know... Um, and they they took over everything, but I still remember the joy and thrill when I opened up that first like shoot, entire shoot, and could go through and um, adjust things, and it was non-destructive, and it was my raw images, and it was like this, oh my god, like I've seen the future, it's right here. And then of course because I didn't look into the future like you guys did, I didn't tell anyone else I knew about the program, I didn't go into a forum. Um, but I have had a love-hate relationship with Lightroom since, I think, the second day that beta came out and I downloaded it and everything else changed. And I still, to this day, am a Lightroom classic user over any other piece of software I have on my computer. And um, I don't even use half of Lightroom. I just use the develop module and the um, the basic, you know, sorting stuff. Um, so... As a photographer, it was a life-changing, like, here's this, someone's finally figured out what we need. So I didn't have to really switch over, like, my brain was already doing this all with prints. I have 10,000 negatives in my garage in boxes that, that are, like, sitting there and will probably never, ever get looked at again because they're not digital and they're not sitting here. Did you have to take, like, all the stuff your dad had done? Like, did you decide to go back and, and like, try to organize the old stuff or did you just go today is a new day we're moving forward and we're just going to change things from here yeah mostly we we, we were doing a bit of scanning negatives before for various customers that he promised right. magic to um <laughs> but, but the rest of it was was still in boxes surrounding the walls and and up high and yeah there were thousands of old negatives that that would just put in boxes and went okay let's let's carry on from here um we there's no way we could have gone back it would have been a nightmare you know i I know people who actually tried that was what like i had friends in the business and they were like oh i'm going to scan in my entire back catalog and put it into a lightroom thing and then i'll be able to do all the stuff and my reply was why (laughs) i've I've done it with all (laughs) of our old family photographs and you can imagine having a photographer for a dad there's quite a lot of those uh, that that was a job and a half. Um, 
yeah, I can't imagine having to try and do it in a business environment. But that's the thing, adopting a new piece of software, especially when you think we, you know, we all remember our early versions of Photoshop, you know, and Aperture, and remember Lightroom coming out. And it is funny that Aperture's gone away in the same way Quark Express was desktop publishing and InDesign came along. And I, I'm even surprised now when I see an advert for Quark. It's like, oh, God, they're still going. Um, so when you get that, when you adopt a new piece of software, I think it's kind of sink or swim then. You either try and work out what everything does or you only ever use one thing forever and ever. Yeah. And and as a non photographer, it's like I've I I've grown up around Lightroom and it always makes me laugh that the problem anyone own ever have has is catalogues. <laughs> um but I, I remember <laughs> I remember opening it for the first time and and actually because I'd used Photoshop extensively and obviously they've now put camera raw in there, which is kind of like Lightroom anyway. Um but I remember the first time I opened up Lightroom and I couldn't believe what it could do it, because it was just, how does it know? <laughs> how, like, how, how, like, same, same thing with anything in Photoshop. I mean, how the hell does it do it? It's wizards make it. But at that point, because Al, obviously Alan's a teacher and I became a teacher late in life. It's a big, it's a big, bold move to suddenly kind of find yourself. I'm going to be an expert at this. It, is was that your intention at the start no to... no I'd, it was i'd only started the raw processing business at the beginning of 2006 and lightroom was released a few months later i bought my first mac to be able to run the first betas because they weren't available on windows no um, which mac was it? it was it was the first intel macbook pro Oh right! It was it was that long ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's not that long. I mean, like, okay, I'm in my fifties, so 2007 feels like it was like three or four years ago. You know, the eighties feel yeah. like a long time ago. And, and yet they're moving on to new chips yet again. I know it's yeah. I, I have an M1 Mac Mini sitting here because um, oh, I'm jealous. Send it over. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's quite impressive. I, I I must tell you, and we'll talk a little bit about catalogs in a while because I. Like I said earlier, I have a real love-hate for Lightroom. I mean, like, I couldn't do what I do without it. Like, literally, I could not do my job without Lightroom. It would be impossible. And as Dave has heard at times, I have railed against um, certain features and certain things, and they drive me crazy, and I finally get, like, a reply to an answer to something, and I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'll be quiet now. Um, <laughs> You know. It is a love-hate relationship. I think a lot of people have a Lightroom. Yeah, definitely yeah. more so than Photoshop. People are very, very have very strong opinions about it. You can you can tell because every time they do something good or something bad, there's complete uproar. That they, yeah. everyone's very vocal about how they feel about Lightroom. Yeah, it's very polarizing. Yes. I even even when I like don't use it, I know all the things that have gone wrong with the next version because it's everywhere. And even the people who have left and no longer use it still come back to the forums to complain about it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm not that bad. But yeah, but th but then I find that being in the software business, they're the same people who are still. Um, I'm not giving Adobe my money and renting my software. Yeah. Uh, subscriptions, subscriptions. Like I'm okay with CS4. <laughs> Great, you carry on. I, I, Brilliant. I was that. I was that person when 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 
I remember sitting here and watching the Adobe keynote um, when they said, you know, everything's going to subscription model. Um, and, and I was, I, I was personally offended. Like it, it was like, no, you can't do that. You, and it took, I think it was about eight months when I realized that the updates were coming without me having to go to the store and drop a bunch of money on a new physical version. Everything was running perfectly. I could remove it from one computer and add it to another computer and everything just like work because I didn't have to deal with and I was suddenly like okay yeah this will this will work it didn't actually <laughs> affect my 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 work I was really concerned that I was suddenly going to wake up one morning and my stuff wasn't going to work properly so I had that box version of you know Lightroom 6 I think it was still sitting in the closet just in case you know just in case Adobe decided to raise the price more than ten dollars whatever it was at the time I remember um, having a conversation with the product manager before they announced that Lightroom wasn't going to be sold as a perpetual license anymore and and my heart was in my throat because I'm thinking all, all these people who have been complaining about the subscription model for so long they're, they're going to have <laughs> they're going to have kittens uh, but it has kind of worked out better than I dared hope it might yeah I, I think um I know for me as a designer, the way it came out, but even now when I see photographers at the photography show, and uh, and this isn't a, a, a let's all sell Adobe products tonight, <laughs> but, but it's given me a living, yeah. you know, it's given us a living. Yeah. And I say, I say to him, like, I remember having to find someone who had, a, who had Photoshop, because I couldn't afford it, and everyone started, like nearly everyone, um, who, who would admit it, started off with a pirate copy of Photoshop at some point in their life, everyone did but now the fact that you can get photoshop and lightroom for less than 10 pound a month and have all that absolute industry leading editing power at your fingertips to resist that for me is just well you're the the problem the problem isn't gonna like your your photography is going to suffer, I think, because of your resistance to something that you're not prepared to move along with. And there's so many other things in our life that we just quickly adapt to and adopt and move on, and we don't question it. But when it comes to stuff that makes us money or improves what we do, it's funny how we're so resistant to the change and how it's sold. Because every time somebody says about it i'm like well you pay for netflix you don't get to keep any of those shows you pay for apple music you don't get to keep any of those songs you pay, like subscriptions in our life now i like that we get these constant updates and one of the things i'm going to come on to with with the publishing in a minute is the fact that you've got this piece of software now that before when it first came out 2006 and for all the youngsters listening there was no youtube no facebook no twitter no social media whatsoever <laughs> so we couldn't moan about it you you kind of got 2006 you got to use it for a period of time you wrote down all the things you didn't like and then so many months later they'd go okay we're gonna add those things now we're in a world that as we're sitting here we could all get a notification saying Lightroom's got an update so as an author who suddenly found herself (laughs) writing books back then doing the the Lightroom Q&A books that you did was great you had time to learn it time to write it publish and sell how when we'll start at the beginning with that because I don't want to rush into the answer but what was the first point you were like I'm going to write a book 
Because you self-published as well. I did. I, I'd originally, I'd started compiling questions off the forum because people kept saying these were the same questions coming up over and over again. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll make them a blog post. And, and the number of questions grew and it grew and it grew. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll put it into a PDF people can download. And it grew and it grew and it grew. And, um, and somebody came along and said, you, you can't give that away for free. You're going to have to charge for it. I went, oh, okay, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll do that. Um, and at the time, I wasn't seeing it as a business. It was just something to help out other photographers who were having the same issue. I, I had another business. I was busy. Um, mm. But people started buying it, and then they started requesting paperback copies. So I started looking into whether I could get it printed. And I didn't want boxes full. I only had a small flat at the time. I didn't want boxes full of books mm. everywhere. So I came across this company who would print them on demand. And I thought, you know, for the five copies it'll sell, that would be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it kind of trickled along until about Lightroom 4. Lightroom 4 came out and they halved the price of Lightroom with that release. And suddenly mm. so many people jumped on board and there, weren't really, there wasn't really that much in the way of Lightroom books at that stage because it wasn't a big thing. So so at that point, it really took off and it became kind of a business in its own right. Wow. Yeah. I, it, I, I wasn't <laughs> expecting it to work like that. <laughs> no, I was going to say, because like putting, putting that together, the fact that, like you say, it's, you're compiling a bunch of questions, you've then got to put that in an order. And we were talking about publishing off-air before we started, that once you've put that first book out and you've started selling it, do you... Were you suddenly like, shit, I've got to keep updating this now and bring out another one, another one? Because what was interesting for me when I when I was first following you was the fact that obviously Scott Kelby had started bringing Lightroom books out. Matt Kluskowski was doing Lightroom stuff. Adobe obviously had Classroom and a book. But you seemed to be like the... People would come and buy the Q&A your Q&A book or it seemed that to me that you kind of had the book that everyone wanted <laughs> because it was the complex now whether the sales are would <laughs> would lie to, to my assumption but you always seemed to be the person that started coming up like it was always the Lightroom Queen the Q&A but the missing Q&A book were you just never ever like were you approached were you ever tempted to go I was publisher yeah I was I was given a few offers from from people like peach pit um mm. but i didn't want i loved the fact that it was very responsive to what customers were actually asking so people were sending me questions and i was able to answer them and then include them in the book and if i'd gone through a big publisher it would have been months after the release before the book actually hit the shelves and I wanted yeah. to be that much more responsive. So with the ebooks, particularly, I could get them out very quickly, and I could kind of respond to what people were actually asking, and that's what I was looking to do. Yeah, traditional public yeah, traditional publishing that. quickly is not really the um, the way things work. <laughs> you know, even uh, I've done some books on technology, and, and like we would pre-write as much as we could on. Um, what we were, what we were told or what we what we knew and then we would try to finish it up and it would still take two months from the day of product release to even getting an ebook out just 
yeah. through the process, and we'd have written most of it, you know, as, um, as much as we could before, you know, and this is, uh, I did a couple of books on iPads, so Apple does not tell you what's coming. Um, you know, wow. Yeah, so you're <laughs> guessing, and you're putting it in, and you're hoping. I mean, I know with Adobe, because um, I'm in quite a few pre-release things that, you know, we can't. You know, have to we kill you. Talk we talk. Yeah, but yep. um, yeah, but at least you know, uh, for authors and educators, they're really good about trying to give you uh, an idea of what's actually, you know, coming out. And um, yeah, but it still takes months after that that dot release hits for for a real a real publisher. That's the wrong way to put it. For a, <laughs> a traditional publisher. For a traditional publisher, for all the yeah. gears to move, you know, and and get something out. So yeah. Um, I really, you know, I really admire you for putting out those ebooks because it's a lot of work on your own. Um, well, and it's also obviously become a, a awful lot more complicated since Adobe now keeps adding new features every few months. Yes. Um, so, so, so most traditional books are out of date within a few weeks of release. <sighs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> big, big As you yes. found. <laughs> How many copies of the book? have you officially like what version do you consider yourself to be on of your book oh i did a lightroom one book which came out about three weeks before lightroom two um (laughs) (laughs) so 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 there have been where are we now lightroom oh i don't know i've kind of lost track it's version 10 book but we skipped odd versions and between paperbacks so i think we're on about the seventh paperback of Lightroom Classic, plus a couple of the Lightroom Cloud ecosystem, yeah. plus various okay. ebooks along the way. So, I've got, yeah. So, what are your <laughs> what are your thoughts when um, Adobe made the big announcement uh, that Lightroom was going to become Lightroom Classic, and there was going to be a new Lightroom uh, that would then work seamlessly between all your devices except for the camera part? Um, yeah. Well, yes, Victoria. Phrase that. In fact, I'm a concert and event photographer. I shoot upwards of. Um, I just did a, a golf tournament for uh, rescue dogs and for the military this last week. I shot 5,000 images during the day. Um, all of them on my DSLRs. You know, it's I'm not putting 5,000 uh, raw files onto my iPad or my iPhone. I, I literally couldn't. It would. You know, it would use up all the memory, and I'm certainly not going to try to edit um, that for a client sitting on my iPhone. It's just not going to happen. So yeah. my reaction was a little bit like, oh, no, they're calling it classic, like Coke classic. That means it's going to be dead in six months, and I'm going to be out of luck. And I started looking for a new um, asset management editing program at that point. Obviously, that hasn't happened. Uh, yeah. Kudos to Adobe. They've kept uh, Lightroom Classic going. I still use it. Um every day um but i tended to ignore lightroom i guess it's called lightroom cc or just lightroom now yeah Uh, it's not lightroom cc anymore they dropped all the ccs which just confused people even more (laughs) i'm one of them i call it cloudy okay lightroom cloudy (laughs) like cyber yeah exactly it's it's kind of stuck i kind of ignored i kind of ignored it for a while I like like that's a that's not a tool that's a toy for people who want to <coughs> sync between their phone and, and their computer and, and you know and do stuff and um, it was 
I'm not sure if it was Rob Sylvan or if it was Katrina Eisman, but like one of them was talking and they were like the camera had synced to the phone, like their 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 actual camera, and then they were processing it, and it was like, well, wait a minute, that is actually the same processing engine, just in a slightly different layout, and it's really powerful, and maybe I should pay attention to that a little bit closer, yeah. you know. Um, but I was definitely one of the people who just thought that's a toy for phone people. Yeah, I think I think the actual apps are very very good. The marketing department may need to be shot for their naming choices. And um, when I, yeah, the the naming debacle was was definitely didn't do them any favors. Um, so so there are no signs that classic is going out the window anytime no. soon. The the engineering team's bigger than I remember in years. They're really hyped up. It's it's good. They are they are doing some really good work. Um, but the marketing department certainly added a lot of confusion to things when they started changing all the websites so that everything just showed the cloud version of Lightroom. And so a lot of photographers suddenly went, oh, hang on, is Lightroom Classic going to go away? And and it all became a little bit of a mess for a few years. And I think they're kind of getting the hang of, OK, these are two very different audiences now. Um, the, yeah, the pros need the desktop-based, folder-based Right. Let's focus on performance. Let's focus on power. Let's make this really good for a desktop-focused app. And the cloud version, I mean, I love the cloud version. It works really well for my personal photographs because if I'm sat watching the telly of an evening, I can start sorting through the pictures from three weeks ago and, and I don't have to stop and think about it. So it is just focusing on different audience and I think it's taken them a while to figure out how they're going to market to those different audiences. Yeah, I I fully agree. I mean, it was a it was a uh, it was an amazing thing to, to to I I really got upset. I mean, like I physically felt like I was being um, attacked. And I remember sitting. Scott Kelby had come to San Diego to do a one day seminar right around the time Classic was announced, and we were sitting um, having lunch. And you know, he turned to me and he said, you know, with a name like Lightroom Classic, how long do you expect that to be around? You know, and or to that effect, and and like every fear I had that I was going to lose my main editing tool, just you know. Com- oh, and when a guy like Scott says that, how can you not believe him? Yeah, well, I mean, well, it was yeah. but he didn't have any, you know. You're thinking he must yeah. know. He, he must. He, know. he didn't. He didn't. I mean, he said, "I have no idea, you know, what they're doing or how they're doing this or where it's going." But it seemed like it fractured the Lightroom community like literally down yeah. the middle and I still have you know people still look at me like well why don't you just use Lightroom and I'm like because it's the same it's reason the I right can't tool. have one catalog you know everyone's like yeah. well, just have one catalog I, I literally physically can't have one catalog just for one client over the last 10 years I have shot over 750,000 images that is a the single biggest, catalog I the have The biggest right catalog I've used was 13 million, so you yeah. might be okay. No, 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 I've, I've got a catalog. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've got a catalog of 750,000, but it does slow down. Yeah. It, it Just physically because you have to figure out where, <laughs> where you put stuff. You know, it's like I can search for it, but 10 years of 50 shows a year of trying to find a single, you know, image is very difficult to do. So... I always had this policy where every shoot I did was a new catalog. And I Oh wow. And I used to I used to drive people at Adobe a little crazy when I would talk to them because they were like, You're doing it all wrong. And I'm like, 
but hear me out. If I make a single catalog, I still get all the Lightroom bonuses. I can still use everything I want to do. And then when I move my raw images, my exported images, and my catalog as a folder, they just all travel together. And guess what? Lightroom figures out where they move to. And I don't even have to resync them because it did it automatically. And people are like, well, huh, never thought of that. I'm like, I back everything up onto cloud storage or onto um, network attached storage. And if I put my Lightroom catalog on network attached storage and I try to open my Lightroom on network attached storage, Lightroom fails because it won't mm -hmm. access. So there was this thing that if I kept the catalog on a big drive somewhere on my network, it just wasn't going to work. So I started making individual catalogs for every shoot and people thought it was crazy. But if you go to my computer and you pick out like a hard drive and you go, oh, look, that's 2020. Well, that's not a good year because it was like one shoot. So 2019, <laughs> you know, we go back to 2019, and there's 50 or 60 shoots. You can literally find the catalog of those shoots in half a minute. I can open it up and access my images within two minutes and literally find everything I've exported or done. Everything's tagged very quickly. Um, Flies. You could do that with a 2020 folder in a big catalog. Yeah, and and that's that's <laughs> the problem is where do you store that big cat? You know, when you're yeah. when you're talking about all these images, like where do you actually store that big catalog? Because that would be a super size SSD attached to your computer. <laughs> yeah, that's very expensive one. <laughs> yeah, that. So everyone's Lightroom's going, dude, like. Your catalogue for 2019 is awesome, but 2020, I feel like you don't love me anymore. Where, where, where are you going? Oh, it, it, did you? I I know, like I I've done a book on InDesign, and I know that as soon as Adobe bring InDesign to the iPad, a I'm going to love it because I can use it, and b it means I can write another book. Oh yeah. So when light when Lightroom turns to mobile, and you've got obviously the ipad and the iphone are you did you have that thought of like mm, more content to write? <laughs> some more more books I, I was it was a nightmare to start oh you're with. like oh crap <laughs> yeah it was it was it was a bit of a nightmare to start with because mobile was still this thing everyone looked at and went why would you do that Everyone kind of went, you know, I sit down on my computer with a nicely calibrated monitor and, and that's where I do my photographs. So I was trying to do an ebook, just a little separate ebook, but they were at, they were doing updates every like two months and they mm. were they would just change one icon somewhere and that would change like a hundred screenshots. And I was having to redo that every couple of months. Um so it has settled down a little bit now, I'm I'm quite pleased to say. They they don't change it quite so often. <laughs> Um, it certainly got a lot more complicated because obviously you're now dealing with Lightroom Classic and Lightroom Desktop for Mac and for Windows and then mobile for iOS and Android and web and Apple TV, which fortunately doesn't get updated very often. Um, <laughs> so so every time some every time there's a new release, you're going back through going, hang on, th there's a new icon there they didn't tell us about. And it, so you're having to then go back through and check every single thing on all of the different platforms to figure out whether there's anything else they forgot to tell you about. Um, so yeah, it has it has made life a lot more complicated. It's made it challenging. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but it's good fun. So yeah, so like you said, you're not traditionally a photographer. So my other question is, if you're like testing Lightroom to its limits, which I imagine you are on all platforms and all versions 
what's a non-photographer using <laughs> to test <laughs> to test this out where are your images coming I, from i having having got into lightroom i then got into photography uh, right. So, so it, I don't get out to shoot very often, but when I do, it tends to be holidays. Tend to be a few thousand pictures, which I can then spread out over the course of time. So, all of the pictures in the book are almost all mine. There are occasional stock photographs of people and stuff, but but most of the pictures are of holidays over the course of time. Because oh, I know when when. I did the book I had to make all the documents oh wow yeah I I had to make every single file for every single thing I showed and I was thinking well I know quite often when Adobe do the big keynote it's uh do you want to see this cool new thing where we're going to make this cow disappear or we're going (laughs) to turn this from this that they have the perfect image so so it's either you have the perfect image to show off the tool at its best or as I've found with, with myself when I've opened Lightroom up, it was purely to fix a really shit photograph. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and I, remember, I remember my father-in-law, um, God bless him, he's not with us anymore. He went to Scotland and he was a keen amateur photographer. He'd been a member of the Swindon Photography Society for like 30 years or something. And he went up there and he changed it. He just bought a new Nikon digital camera. And he, he changed the setting, which basically meant everything he shot was dark. Oh, no. So so he came <laughs> back, he went to this church, apparently he went to this church, and it was by a river, and there was a brick wall, and there was a couple down by the tree, and I think he said like they were, he was maybe proposing or something, and he took these photographs, came home, opened them all up. He never checked them on the camera. Oh. And he's basically got black black image after black image with a tiny maybe a tiny bit of light popping through and i said well look i can't guarantee anything but there is this thing called lightroom um that we could try because did you shoot raw or jpeg and he said oh it's the he shot raw so, oh, okay good. i think that's good yeah so let's try this so we downloaded lightroom onto his laptop um and we threw in a, this photograph and I said, well, look, this is like, they're sucking to see. This is either going to be amazing or <laughs> this photograph's dead. I could not believe, granted it was a very noisy photo once we'd done the work. But when we started moving the sliders, even I was going, where is this coming from? <laughs> like the trees are there, the river's there, the brick wall's there, the grass is there, the church is like all this detail just appeared from nowhere and i and i was absolutely amazed by it and he was he thought it was witchcraft <laughs> so so he spent the whole evening going through every single photograph just um i think because you can once you've changed some stuff you can save it as a preset so we just did it all and said well okay if all if you took all these photographs roughly in the same place let's use this and just rather than you keep sliding it click this button and he sat there and he was so so happy oh, that wow. he knew he, he knew he didn't have a good photograph in terms of printing it off he was just happier that this piece of software gave him back the images he didn't want to forget that he'd taken yeah. and and i thought that was really sweet that we can get hung up on the detail and everything having to be absolutely perfect but i think for the for people coming into photography new or amateur photographers who maybe don't take great photos yet lightroom gives them that little bit of confidence yes 
it in that it can bring back something that they missed the first time around and hopefully learn from what's missing yeah. by by adjusting what they're doing so even now i've probably only ever opened lightroom in its history five times oh we're gonna have to change that <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> but i sh- i mean i ship everything on so you'd be perfect for the lightroom cloud version yeah. well the lightroom camera on the app on the phone is better than the apple camera yeah. or at least yeah. it used yeah. to be and you and it can it shoot, shoot raw. raw yeah so so I am. There you go. I do You're going to have, have to good play intentions. with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I always have good intentions to do it, but then it all goes to but, <laughs> goes to the wayside. And I do the, the develop else. module in, in Lightroom is is basically Adobe Camera Raw, just yeah, re, like slightly. Not now, it's not even slightly redesigned. Now they've adjusted Camera Raw <laughs> to look more like Lightroom, and so they look yeah. they look similar. Um, but I think Adobe Camera Raw used to kind of freak people out, like it's. Like, oh, no. It had so many tabs and sliders yeah, and you know. it looks much more geeky. Yeah, and, and it was like, oh, no, you're really, you know, you're messing with the, you know, the stuff. And the develop module was just like a really great way to, you know, use those those really powerful, you know, software things and in an in a easy way. Um, you know, and then they kept adding different modules. I think when it started out, it just had four. And then they, they added like book and slideshow and or maybe slideshow was original and web came in later i don't i don't really remember because those are the ones that my my workflow doesn't really use very often um but for me when i would come home from a shoot and i could dump in um i would suck all the all the images into my computer using a different program uh photo mechanic which gave me which gave me much tighter controls over the um metadata and it's actually what i have to use when i'm shooting for the ap and then from there, I would import it, you know, the, the stuff in Lightroom. And I could, presets and being able to sync uh, metadata and uh, especially settings across a, a whole set of images. My workflow, like, was minutes. I, I, I told my boss I could literally get home. I would shoot three songs at a concert. I would get in my car. I would drive home. It's 15 minutes from the venue to my house. I could suck in all the images. I could pick out five or six. I could email it to them, and they could have them posted before the show was over. Wow! So yeah, it was that. I mean, it literally made the workflow that fast. You could, you know, yeah. um, which was a game changer. The the yeah. bad side of that was that's what they started expecting. <laughs> so the day that it doesn't work properly is that you know, like <laughs> where are those images? You know, it's been like forty minutes. Why aren't you? Why haven't you sent us stuff? It became kind of you know. I had to explain to them that sometimes things go wrong. Sometimes there's traffic. Sometimes it needs more editing. Um, but it really changed. It literally changed the way that things worked and the speed that it would be you know produced. Um, yeah. And it's still. Can you imagine having to try and try and sort through all of those photographs in photoshop you'd be still there three weeks later yeah i mean and i and i used to i used to i learned how to batch process using adobe camera raw because the rule for for some of the news organizations here was that you cannot open a picture in photoshop oh wow it's 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 out of the camera and you can adjust the you know like you could adjust like darkroom stuff but you couldn't you couldn't be like, oh, that water glass is really annoying. You know, let's, let's just remove it. You know, that was that's forbidden. And when you're shooting for the Associated Press and it's a news story, you can't 
Yeah. You can't Photoshop yeah, something. But Adobe Camera Raw was you could adjust the exposure and you could adjust the contrast and you could kind of adjust the color. You could make sure that you, you know, those things were done. And it did such a great job in doing it that I learned how to literally suck in, you know, 30, 40 pictures in Adobe Camera Raw, batch process those, export them as JPEG. You know, it was like this process. And Lightroom just, that's what it does. And yeah. the part that to me is still the most amazing part of this thing is it's non-destructive. And... I, I, like my raw images haven't been touched. They're still sitting on the drives in their archive folders and they're exactly how they came out of the camera and I can restart an image anytime I want. Nothing has been damaged. Nothing has been, mm. you know, set in stone, which I think is fantastic because as we both know, every couple of months Adobe says, we tweaked this and you can go back in and you can pull up that shot that looked... Um, Oh, hazy, and suddenly we can dehaze it, and you know it's like, oh, that's not quite as nice as we want. And I wanted a little more contrasty. Look, I got a clarity slider now, and you know all these new little little toys that every single time that happens, my entire workflow gets. You know, I have to sit down and be like, okay, how do I change this to adjust it? The you, way I want. You've got to learn all the new tools every single time. I yeah. did, and I, I, I had a for a while. I used to process everything backwards. Um, I would start at clarity and dehaze and then work my way up to exposure being the last thing I adjusted and I, I would I would teach you know like this is the way they did it because they think it works this way and I find that I like it this way and you know I would work up the screen instead of down the screen but that's that's the nice part about it is you can do anything the way you want it to do it doesn't you know it doesn't have yeah. to be a certain way um, and I, I know this is like one of those unproven things, but I think that's why Lightroom actually beat Aperture in the long run because Apple really wants you to do things the way Apple thinks it should be done. And I find this with everything that Apple creates. And I love Apple products. I'm surrounded by them, but they have a very specific, like, this is step one and here is step two. And this is how it's locked down. Adobe's well, like, yeah, Adobe would love for people to do it that way, but, but people have a mind of their own. Right. Uh, and they've they've built in that kind of flexibility to be able to do it the way you want. I have a question. Oh yeah. Based on what we're just talking about with the editing, because I mean we all know the people in the industry. I've just written around down a bunch of names of people like Serge Remily, Julianne Cost, Matt Kaskowski, Rob Sylvan, even RC is now writing the Lightroom books for Classroom in a mm. um, Classroom in a book. There's a that suddenly there was this big aftermarket of presets that you can't move for them. It's like any anyone anyone was anyone and everyone was selling buy my two thousand seven hundred presets for only thirty nine dollars. What are your thoughts on that whole aftermarket thing of of people selling the presets for Lightroom? I mean pros and cons i think it's become a very good way to make money um, um mm. i've i've chosen not to sell presets i think it's one of those things where you know you you teach a man to fish and and he can feed himself yeah so so i prefer to teach people how to actually use the software to be able to make the adjustments i think particularly when you've got 2700 presets you, you know it would be quicker just to move the sliders <laughs> than than to yeah. go through all of the different presets to figure out which one you like and it's like well yes that one moves it by three points and that one moves it by ten mm. points it, it's far quicker to actually learn the skills but i think presets have their place in certainly in people's own workflows in in 
creating consistency. So if there's a particular look you use a lot, it makes sense to make it a preset. That's that's a time saving yeah. thing. I think it can also be useful if there's a particular style you want. You, you've seen a picture, you really like that style, but you don't know which sliders you'd move to be able to get that kind of look. So to be able to kind of use them to backwards engineer and go, ah, oh, that's how they did that. That's that's where they're really useful. I think it's gone yeah. too far the other way. There was someone I came across recently and they had like 40,000 presets and they're going, I can't find the preset I want. It's like, you've got 40,000. That's not surprising. <laughs> um, so so I think it's become a little bit overkill. Um, yeah. But there can be benefits. Yeah, I know Glyn said once he used to use uh, actions and plugins in Photoshop and he said and he got to the point where he realised he was so reliant on them, he wasn't actually learning anything. And so he stripped them all out and picked his favourite ones and then tried to work out what those actions and plugins were doing. Because like the presets, all they are are things that are already in Lightroom. Yeah, they just move Someone's sliders. Just mo- yeah, save them, exported them and sell them back yeah. to you. So and it, and it does make me laugh when I see like if you if someone was selling like thirty presets to give you like thirty different looks and it was going to cost you like ten dollars you'd probably think actually do you know what every once in a while I'm going to have a shoot where I just want to give it that look but when it was starting becoming three hundred five hundred a thousand two thousand seven hundred and then worth nine hundred ninety nine dollars but for you you can have it for seventeen dollars. <laughs> <laughs> It's that whole, it really at one point got so saturated with that was the thing. Everyone just wanted to sell presets in Lightroom yeah. that it, it, I didn't even know whether any of them were any good because some of them looked like they were baked to death, taken down an alley, kicked and baked some more and then thrown in a HDR processor. Well, and a lot of them only work on the sample photograph. You know, you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it looks fantastic on that particular photograph because the sun was in exactly the right direction and everything else. But you apply it to your own photograph and you go, well, it doesn't look anything like it. What, what must be, It must yeah. be the preset's fault. It must be Lightroom's fault. No, it's just, it's not moving the right sliders for that photograph. Yeah. This street in Derbyshire doesn't look anything like that gondolier in <laughs> <Yes>. Venice. <laughs> and Adobe started oh, to act, I mean, they, they added their own presets to start with. I mean, um, I always thought the most powerful part of that entire engine in Lightroom was that you could have camera-specific uh, starting points, for for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, and um, literally yeah. look at the serial number of the, of the camera importing the image, so that my shoot where I'm using my D800 or my D850 and my D750, each one can have a slightly different preset to make them look the same. Because in the camera yeah. they're different, but if I pull them in and the and Lightroom goes, oh, he's using this camera and that camera, and then suddenly it's like everything looked uniform. And yeah. that was another one of those, okay, man, there's some engineer who actually like figured out that this is what we need as photographers. That was a... you, you mean there's an engineer who's actually a photographer? Yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they've got some amazing photographers. The, the engineering team are brilliant. Um, how, over the years, you've obviously, like you said, with the writing the books and, and being in the pre-release program, um, you've obviously had to develop a good relationship with Adobe. Who who are the people you've kind of dealt with the most 
over that time that have really helped you out because we'll give them some credit there's some good people there. it was it was tom hogarty who found me on the yeah. digital wedding forum initially and so so he's been brilliant over the years and i've had many many very good conversations with him um yeah there have been all of the product managers over the years have been really really helpful i you know give them credit where they're due it, they've all been really really good and a lot of the a lot of the engineers particularly the camera raw engineers who will spend the time like eric chan and max went i think i died trouble is reading all their names you never actually learn how to pronounce them do you <laughs> you see their names all the time oh, max yeah. you mean max, max yeah. yeah um yeah. some of these guys who will spend the time to explain exactly what they've what they were thinking when they've done a particular slider and like the texture slider and they'll provide examples of how they were intending it to be used and all of those kind of little details that you don't get if you're not actually talking directly to the engineers and they've been so good about spending time to actually help us understand what they were intending to do um yeah even in terms of i remember when uh, light must have been lightroom 4 so pv 2012 came out and you know they, they'd changed every single basic slider everything changed overnight and and they spent the time to go through okay this is this is why we've put them in this order and when you change this slider it affects these sliders and then these sliders and so this is why they're in that order uh, all of those kind of details you know are absolutely invaluable when you're trying to then try and teach somebody else how to use it i yeah. i need to always understand the why why things work before i can then explain it to someone else Oh yeah, you have to treat every photographer as that three-year-old. Why? <laughs> well, because you need to be able to adjust that. Why? <laughs> but I love, so, I love doing that kind of thing, and this is why the books have got all sorts of diagrams as to okay, the preview loading mechanisms. It does this, and then it does this, and then it does this. Uh, to a lot of that stuff isn't documented anywhere. Right. Some some of the engineers get given my book to be able to refer back to some of those doc- documents because. You know, they they've changed over the years. So they different ones have moved on to other tasks, but I love understanding all the nitty gritty stuff. That's that's what gets me excited. That's good that you like you, you literally lift the hood up and take the engine apart, and you know what every tiny little detail and slide. I'm does. sure they go running every time I post them a question. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, and with so many changes now, do you? I'm guess. Uh, can you take credit for anything in Lightroom that you've suggested in the past? There, there was I, I before Lightroom four came out. I was still doing a lot of photographic processing, like hundreds of thousands a year. Uh, so, so I did make a bit of a fuss about performance issues at the time, um, and and it did get delayed and and worked on a bit. So, so I'm I'm very grateful for that. I I don't think I. I don't spend enough time in Lightroom anymore to be able to have quite the same kind of clout on that one. <laughs> uh, the other thing that fascinates me with when, when I speak to people who have become an expert in their field, and Alan and I have had many conversations with others because we're both there, is like you've been the Lightroom queen for a long time, for probably what, 2007? 2007 I started the blog with the Lightroom Queen name and 2000 middle yeah. of 2008 the first books came out 
Now, most people I know, this is what I think is marvellous about you that you've done. And, and whether it's intentional or whether I've got it wrong, I apologise. But a lot of the people who I think of in the industry, when I think of Lightroom, and like I said, that they were just the first bunch of names and more have come into my head as I've done it. They're all out there. And you've probably been the most well-known private person <laughs> in the industry like I don't recall that you've stood up and, and taught at an event I very rarely see you on social media it's like it's under the guise of Lightroom Queen the information's there the Lightroom's there was that a conscious thing not because you know I've, I've told the story a hundred times I did my first public speaking at Photoshop World when I was 50 um, I was terrified I'm glad I did it because now I enjoy it a little bit more. Not greatly, but I do enjoy teaching. How have you managed to kind of maintain that stand stand in the back and not be like in your face on Instagram? I'm out walking my dog. I'm making a cup of tea. Look at me. I've just here's my new book. Like this this constant self publicizing um, that that social media has bought. I admire you for kind of maintaining your um, reputation without actually pushing yourself right out there. Is was that intentional? Is it something you, that you've enjoyed? That have I ruined it? <laughs> yeah, completely. It's all your fault. <laughs> no, I, I would. I was never in it to to be some big personality. I like helping hmm. people. So yeah. I I have been offered opportunities to speak at various events, including Photoshop World, um, mm. and and I'm greatly honoured. But it's not my thing. I'd much rather spend my time writing books or spend my time on the forum. I spend a ridiculous amount of time on the feedback forums and, and the Lightroom forums mm. every day, actually helping real people with real problems. And I think, be, as a result, I kind of understand what kind of problems they're having and that helps in being able to whereas a lot of books go oh this slider does this this slider does this and doesn't ever actually get down to the nitty-gritty oh my catalogs just exploded what do I do um so (laughs) so I I just prefer to focus on those kind of things and and the social media and that is is stuff I kind of keep looking at and going yeah I really really should do more of that I really should do more of that but it's just not me so, so for as but long I'm, as I can keep it going, and <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very admirable. It's so there are so few people in the industry who have kind of maintained a sense of privacy that to still be, you know, have the reputation you've got. And there is so much pressure now for people to be up front and out there. Well, you get off my like holiday photos; running... they're just all in the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're kind of running a surgery i guess yeah. what, you're, what you're saying is just people come in i've got this thing wrong I've got that thing wrong you can do it but i know just recently you've you finally opened the door and joined photoshop user magazine I did. and lightroom i, I have written succumbed. <laughs> <laughs> i have written odd bits for them over the years um but then scott sent me a no chris mean sent me a message saying Chris yeah, Main, yeah. saying Scott had recommended me. And I thought, actually, the Q&A, yeah, that's right up my street. You know, I like dealing yeah. with those kind of real-world situations. Yeah, I quite fancy doing that. Um, yeah. 
and Rob's done it. We all know Rob. Yeah. I know you've done an interview with Rob um, that I've seen. Oh, that was a few years ago. Yeah, I remember that. 2015. <laughs> was it really? Yeah. Goodness it me. Was, yeah, it was you, Rob and Levi. Wow. I'd totally forgotten yeah. about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like one of one of two interviews I found on YouTube. Yeah, there's a couple of other um, podcasts kind of... around, but I don't tend to do a lot. No, there was another one I saw that was a JPEG something. JPEG um, to but Raw. But you weren't... Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. But you, but you weren't on camera for that. You were just doing yeah. demos. And stuff. the Photo Taco podcast I do every... About once a year. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like to keep a fairly low profile. <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> I just say it's so good because it, it's, it feels like it's harder to keep a low profile now. But I was so pleased to see... Because I know Scott and I... Um, whenever we've talked about people we know in the industry that would be great and I know your your name has come up five six times with Scott oh, and, and I know he's been like oh I've tried to get Victoria she doesn't want to do it and like, well you know not everyone it, not, not everyone's cut out to do that but I was genuinely so chuffed I think I posted on Twitter like it's great to see you um I was so chuffed to see you join oh, because thank you. The fact that it felt, <laughs> to me, it felt like it had come full circle. Yeah. Like, that's where we met. And now we both write for the same magazine. Yeah. We both came it from a different direction. I come from design. You've come from Lightroom. Like, you were the first person I speak to. And now we now we both write for Photoshop User Magazine, which was the magazine that got me started in the first yeah, place. Of so I had, I had a kind of little sense of, yeah, Aww. another Brit in the house. <laughs> I, I know I used to go check your stuff out every single time there was another release. It was like, oh, wow. yeah, because it was like I could go and slog through, you know, the the actual publicity and all the press releases and all the other stuff where I could just go and look and see what you know what you've said is new <laughs> I was like all right there we go done <laughs> well, we, we try to be quite honest about it because you know Adobe's gonna they have to say all the good right. stuff we we tend to update our blog post after a couple of days to say okay and these are the bugs <laughs> that keep coming up because they can't say that you know they have to get past so many different lawyers before they can actually say anything Whereas I, I can say, okay, look, this is what's being reported. Um, and I think that's important. You know, people need to know before it completely destroys their workflow. Oh, I... If there's going to be bugs like there are in Lightroom 10. Um, I've, uh, yeah, I've, I've done some, some real bonehead maneuvers in the past, like uh, updating the day before I'm taking my laptop on vacation and realizing that none of the oh, no. uh, raw, you know, like my Nikon raw files are not supported so i'm sitting in hawaii and i can't edit anything because i just have the new version and i don't have any of this st- you know so like, you mean you actually have to have a holiday <sighs> <laughs> that's maybe yeah. not such How a bad day yeah but it was it was a you know it's that frustration you know and like oh i want to you know work on what i've got and i like oh no i that, okay, don't do that. Don't upgrade the day it comes out when you're, you know, getting on a plane two hours later. It was just one of those, one of those bonehead maneuvers. And I've had other, I've had conversations. I, it took me a year and a half to get an answer to something, and I finally just, I ran into Julianne Cost at um, Adobe Max a couple of years ago. <laughs> we were just chatting about something else, and I was finally like, listen why can't it do this? And, you know, like a week later, I got an email from her and she goes, I spoke to the engineers and here is the reason it can't do that and it will never do that. And I was like, okay, I'll give up complaining about it because it's like saying, why can't I fly? 
<laughs> it's just like it's not gonna happen. <laughs> That's be, a great example. You know, and uh, I was like, all right, I'm I'm good with that. But after using it for all these years, what what is on your wish list that you wish they would add, remove, improve? Um, you know, what's the one thing that's still like you you get to it and you're like, Ugh, if they would only just do this, because. Oh, wow. <laughs> Where do I start? No. Um, I, I think the big one is just go back and fix the bugs. Bug, that, that really irritates me. It's just there are bugs that stick around for years and years and years. And you go, just, just spend a release just fixing bugs. That would be lovely. Um, I don't think it'll ever happen because the moment they, they put out a bug bug release then everyone goes but where are the new features right. it's like okay okay <laughs> you just you can't win i i get why they do what they do and they are they are working performance has to be the other big one that's that's the one i hear everybody complaining about constantly and and they're clearly trying because they've managed to break some bigger stuff <laughs> um in the, in the last couple of releases I love so that. but it but it means that they're it means they're touching code that they haven't touched in years. Right. So they are trying to do some really fundamental changes to really improve performance, but you can't do those kind of things without taking risks. And okay, there have been a few bugs. Um, I, I think the next release, I really, really hope the next release will be much, much smoother. It's it's looking good. Um, but, but yeah, there, there's always going to be bugs it's complicated software these days isn't it yeah, i mean i noticed a I big i noticed does, a big improvement in and, and again i can't keep the version straight partly because i'm not sure what i'm running anymore <laughs> and because uh-huh. of pre-release things but about i want to say about a year ago maybe a year and a half ago i noticed a really there, there was a release that came out that suddenly it was like oh my god they really like worked on um you know it's faster it was just like it was yeah. noticeably speed was noticeably improved and because my workflow hasn't really changed since Lightroom came out I mean the what I do and how I do it hasn't really changed I don't notice a lot of the bugs because I don't use some of the modules at all I haven't Motion done a stuff. website on, yeah. on in Lightroom for, for uh, 10 years I don't think anybody has <laughs> well, I, d- I did a lot like when it first came out I was like oh this is great I can format create and upload entire website galleries and I did for yeah. a while and but the web has changed yeah. and the, the whole yeah. the whole concept has changed now i literally can do the same thing in adobe spark and make it look really neat and do that on my ipad and not have to worry about it um so i don't notice some of the bugs but performance i really do notice and especially as cameras yeah. have gotten uh the megapixels have you know started skyrocketing um again you know and the, and the amount of you know image processing um, I have noticed that they have really done that, and that was the big fear. You know, when Lightroom Classic was coming out, it was going to be like, oh, no, we're done. And they haven't, so, you know, kudos to the them. If they just don't change the name again, we'll be okay. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one's a bit of a standing joke. <laughs> so, so there's no, like, real, like, Chris, for me, my features are all good. I mean, I would like export to be a little faster, but other than that, I'm, I'm you know, everything... Like it, like oh, it's just working. You know, I don't need. I'm not so interested in new stuff. I'm interested in, again, fef- making the stuff that I have work faster, and you yeah. know, a little more. And I think that's what they're focusing on. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what they're focusing on now because the photographers who are 
sticking with Lightroom Classic who have no interest in the cloud version um, and will continue to need Lightroom Classic in the future, their priority is going to be performance, 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 and little workflow tweaks that can make all the difference. Like things like the, the batch export, you know, it, most, most amateur photographers go, well, why would I want that? But actually for a working pro, that something like that can be really right. useful. Um, so it's just changing their, their focus, I guess, to really focus on the things that matter to the working pros, which long-term will be a good thing. Yeah, it's good to hear. I mean, I for for my yeah. client, every time I do a shoot, I have to export three sets of images. They're all the same. They're just different sizes. And one has a watermark and one doesn't. And one goes for the web and one doesn't. And one is for the archive and needs to be a TIFF file. And the others, are, you know, it's like so being able to just go, you know, click, click, click and send. It, I, then I turn yeah. around and walk away from the computer because it takes a while. But um, that, that stuff to me was a game changer, you know, when I could literally do the exports and my images weren't touched that was that's still an amazing thing to, to like as a photographer to comprehend because i worked in the dark room so you know stuff like literally in a dark room i was you know you're changing each print individually you can't do it again with this it was like oh i can just take all these settings and apply it to these 12 images that are all the same because they're all shot at the same time under the same light you know of the same person and I can do the next set and the next set and the next set and then just like it cut down the time was dramatic. I mean, absolutely dramatic. Yeah. And I just keep hoping that Adobe buys Photo Mechanic and uses the Photo Mechanic import feature <laughs> into Lightroom and I will, that, that would be the end of my wish list. Thank you for coming to my TED yeah, Talk. Yeah, I, th I think you might be hoping for that one for a little bit Oh, longer. I will be. I, I, I already know it's never <laughs> happening. But it's, uh, I did a... T Side note, I was in New York, I just shot a show, I was sitting back in the hotel room, and I imported one memory card into Lightroom and one memory card using Photo Mechanic just onto the hard drive, and Photo Mechanic was done, and Lightroom had done three out of the 300 images. It was, it was an Ooh, unbelievable painful. difference in, in, you know, and this was back, uh, this was one of the, the bad versions of Lightroom, it was one of the when it was, you know, it was really slow for the importing stuff, but it was one of those eye-opening moments where, you know, I have this client standing behind me, staring at the computer over my shoulder, like, where are the pictures? Where are the pictures? Where? And I'm like, they're coming. Just wait. They're coming, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's a little snail yeah. keeping going along there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least I'm not going to boots and dropping them at the chemist and waiting three days. Yeah. <laughs> um we realise we're almost out of time. Um, just to finish off, how has 2020 been for you? It's been... Uh, has it affected you much? Well, I'm, I'm in a little tiny village by the sea where life is mm. a kind of sleepy pace at the best of times anyway. So, you know, you take the dog for a walk around the country lanes and you don't see anyone and you go, oh, look, this is like last year. So, so right. <laughs> you know, I work from home. I don't really have to go anywhere. Um, mm. So, you know, I, I haven't been affected anywhere near as much as, as the majority of people. I wondered if you'd been busier, because yeah. I know some people have done well in 2020, you know, take all the bad things aside. Um, some businesses were able to adapt and get better. I was just thinking with, with more people um, staying at home, mm -hmm. not going out. The temptation is to go and bring out your back catalogue. Well, now's the time to learn Lightroom. I just wondered whether you'd seen a, a spike or resurgence in more 
questions, more users coming in wanting help because everyone's, well, I'm sat at home, I might as well just learn Lightroom and edit these photographs. Yeah, we did, particularly around April till June, July last year. We we ended up running a series of blog posts on um, how to scan, how to deal with scanned photographs and all of that kind of thing, where or how to reorganise catalogues and all of those kind of things where people suddenly were sat at home, they had time on their hands. Yeah. Um, they were jobs that people could actually get on with that were really quite positive rather than sitting at home going I don't know what to do with ourselves for anyone listening that is Victoria's <laughs> dog I'm not editing this out this is Charlie <laughs> digging a hole in the carpet because he thinks I should be in bed by now <laughs> Charlie looking for a bone in the bedroom Charlie, shush I started looking around for my two yeah. I thought, is that, is that a train? <laughs> Go, ch- ch- uh, no, that's, that's, that's a hole in the carpet in the corner now, I think. He, oh, bless he, uh, him. He, he's usually in bed by about eight o'clock, so, so he has no oh. idea why we're still up and tra- chatting. We always love a, a, a canine special guest. <laughs> well, Victoria, thank you for spending time with us well, tonight. Thank really you has for been having a pleasure. Me. It's great to finally get to know you and chat to you, and we must continue this. Absolutely. Um, but uh, where do you want people to go and find you? I mean, obviously, thelightroomqueen.com. Yeah. Is that really the, the best that's, place to go? That's going to be the best place to find me. We've got a big forum on there as well where we've got a lot of a lot of experts who are really good at helping with Lightroom problems. So, yeah, I, I will try and post a little bit more often on Twitter and Facebook and so forth. But, but the website's generally going to be the best place to find me. Yeah, and is that for people, uh, can they just sign, they can register, can't they? They can register website? for free, they can download some free ebooks. they can post on the forum for free. Yeah, there's a whole yeah. bunch of stuff they can do for free. Um, and if they buy the main books, then we do a premium membership where they have access to be able to email me direct and Paul, my business partner as well. Um, so some extra benefits there as well. Yeah, all the books are on there, so yeah. definitely go and check out the lightroomqueen.com or lightroomqueen.com. That's it. Um, grab yourself a couple of books and uh, follow Victoria. Again, thank you very much for joining us. We've actually got um, a little exclusive here. I don't know what. Well, here his episode will come out after yours, but we've got Brian O'Neill Hughes. Oh on wow, very good. Yeah. So, um, so we'll be talking about Lightroom and photography again in that episode. So, uh, I will pass on a, a hello from you. Yeah, please I'm do. Sure, you know Brian well. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, we'll be back next week with. So we we should have Brian following Victoria. So uh, he's got a hard act to follow. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. And uh, hopefully we'll see you soon in real life at an event, maybe the photography show, and we'll finally have a proper meet-up and a cup of tea. That'd be really good. Lovely. Thank you very much, Victoria. Cheers, Alan. (laughs) 